news and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Happy Thursday from the Mike Broomhead Show. Shift to the economy. It's a frequent topic for me, and I'm going to read to you. Um, very quickly, the federal government collected a record $4.1 trillion in total taxes the first 10 months of the fiscal year, October through July. That is up $503 billion or 13.9% from the, the old record of $3.6 trillion. The Treasury has collected in taxes in the first 10 months of last fiscal year. The record in total taxes that the federal government collected in the first 10 months of this fiscal year include $2.2 trillion in individual income taxes, $1.2 in social insurance and retirement taxes, $82 billion in customs duties, $67 billion in excise taxes, $26 billion in estate and gift taxes, and $116 billion in what the Treasury calls miscellaneous receipts. So that is we start there. Let us start there. I just uh, um, responding, you know, I uh, I respond on social media, um, you know, in sarcastic humor. Um, and I don't know how other people read it because you can't tell. I don't take anything on Twitter seriously. It's not a real place. And those aren't real people that don't really know you. So when they don't when they hate you, who cares? It's just a fun place to, you know, spout your opinion off and have a little debate with somebody. And I think it's funny when people get nasty and angry. It's really funny to me because it's not a real place. And, uh, and and I don't have to look, and I don't. I'm done. But somebody uh, made a sarcastic comment about how good things are. Inflation's down and all this other stuff, but you wouldn't know it. Um, so I just ask this question, and I mean this very sincerely. Um, I've always stated the federal government is taking in, the United States Treasury is taking in record amounts of money. So the White House says we had net zero inflation last month, which is not true. We had inflation. It didn't grow as fast as it has in the past, but it's still very, very high. And there are many things that are still very expensive for people, and there are people that are still hurting. But let us go for a moment with what is their one shining moment in the last six months to a year that they have something that it's not getting bad as fast as it was. That's their celebration point. Um, let me ask you a question. Let me ask all of you a question in that regard. If inflation is going down right now, if inflation is going away or gone, according to the White House, there was no inflation in July. Um, why do we need the Inflation Reduction Act? I mean, if it's already going, that hasn't passed. Or are you? do you think that bill is so good and so powerful that it's already fixing inflation before it passes? Because it passed the Senate, hasn't passed the House, which means it hasn't gotten to the president's desk, which means no changes are being made at all right now. None. And if inflation is going down and inflation is going away... Why do we need all of the taxes and the changes in the Inflation Reduction Act? I'll wait. I'll wait. Let, let me know when you have an answer. The answer is the Inflation Reduction Act had absolutely nothing to do with inflation. It had everything to do with taxation and growth of government and more spending on climate change and the IRS. By the way... Since we're mentioning the IRS, I'm going to read, which has now been pulled down from their site. On their website, they were advertising for people to take a job. 
And it was to be an agent with the IRS. Uh, Major duties. Adhere to the highest standards of conduct, especially in maintaining honesty and integrity. Good one. Work a minimum of 50 hours per week, which may include irregular hours and be on call 24-7, including holidays and weekends. No fun, but okay. Maintain a level of fitness necessary to effectively respond to life-threatening situations on the job. Hmm. Didn't realize that was a thing for an IRS agent. Here we go. Carry a firearm and be willing to use deadly force if necessary. Be willing and able to participate in arrests, execution of search warrants, and other dangerous activities. Um, that's a job requirement now for an IRS agent. And we're going to get 87,000 more of them. Uh, just throwing it out there. So uh, anybody got the answer yet? I'm, I'm looking for an answer. If you want to give it back to me, I'd love to hear it. Inflation's gone in July, according to the White House. The President of the United States says it's net zero. He's got his minions going out and, and touting now that inflation's over. Why do we need the Inflation Reduction Act? Why do we need this piece of legislation that increases spending and increases taxes? Why do we need it to reduce inflation if it's already going down? Seems like a logical question. You know, if we're going to we're going to uh, levy this kind of tax on people and, and, and if somebody wants to tell me this is about fairness, I, I think that's really funny. Here's the other side of things that my biggest concern with the economy. Uh, jobless claims rise again to the highest level since November. New applications for unemployment benefits rose slightly in the first month of August in, in the first month. Of August to the highest level since November. I don't know why it says the first month of August, but that's what it says. Maybe they mean the first week of August. Uh, according to the Labor Department data, um, this is from the Hill.com. Jobless claims totaled 262,000 in the week, ending August 6th, up 14,000 from the previous week's revised total. The four-week average claims rose 4,500 to 252,000. Economists are closely monitoring jobless claims to gauge whether interest rate hikes are causing business to cut back on jobs, an indicator of an economic slowdown. That's a word for recession. Um, the Federal Reserve has raised its rates by two and a, two and a quarter percent to fight 40-year high inflation. Uh, while jobless claims are ticking up, the U.S. added 528,000 jobs in July, more than double the figure economists had predicted. The, the best thing that's happening to this economy right now is that our jobs remain strong. And my, the one thing that I keep watching is watching the jobless claims because if companies slow down, if that – the, the, the devil in the details of the jobs numbers, as we all know, is that a lot of it is people taking a second job to make ends meet because of the inflation that's not really there anymore. Um, so if those jobs dry up, then what do people do? That's the reality of where we are. Taking the politics out of this um, for people is impossible. Some people just won't. Somebody whispers a little bit. They let a little crack of light in a dark room and all of a sudden the sun is shining. And um, they're looking for any reason to defend what's going on by saying, yes, it's still bad. They aren't even saying, yes, it's still bad. They're saying, no, it's all good now. And it isn't. It isn't for people. And the people that don't care about politics are the ones that are paying the biggest price. 
Alright, what we're going to do is talk schools in a moment. There is a story talking about young people in America at record rates are turning down the opportunities to go to college. Are we going to be an uneducated society or are they just looking in other places? We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate you spending some time with us. A great story I just I read this morning. It's, an, it's just an interesting shift that is happening. Why Americans are increasing increasingly dubious about going to college. Um, it's about college enrollment and the decline. Even as freshmen nervously arrive on campus, you know, it starts off talking about kids that are in college now. There is a huge decline in, uh, with the exception of wartime, the United States has never been through a period of declining educational attainment like this. This according to the director of Center for Business and Economic Research at Ball State University and Miller College of Business. There are four million fewer students in college now than there were 10 years ago. A fall off many observe, uh, observers blame on COVID. But there's more to it than that. There are a few things at play here. College has gotten much more expensive over the years. And what's interesting, here in Arizona, we have what's called our, what are called land-grant universities. And so they are supposed to be as close to free as possible for in-state students. That's part of the land-grant part of this. And the interpretation is always then, okay, what does that mean as possible? We have seen huge growth in the expense for college students, and we have also seen a much smaller return on investment. So uh, a young person is looking at this and saying, I'm going to go to school for four years. If the, these are people that are looking at their looking forward at their careers as opposed to somebody that there are kids. And I'm not I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just observing. There are young people out there to go to college because they want the college experience. My dad went to college. My mom went to college. I'm going to be in a fraternity. I'm going to be in a sorority. I want the four year experience of college. I'm going to get my degree. Um, that's one thing. But if you're looking at your future and you're saying, OK, I'm going to go $100,000 in debt um, over four years to take a job that is going to pay me thirty five grand a year, thirty grand a year, or I've got friends that are going into trade schools. Now, when you say trade school, we all think I would say people my age, we think the classic trade schools when we were young, electrician, plumber, AC, that kind of stuff, auto mechanics, machine shop. And those are all still very viable careers. I mean, welders are making 70 grand a year when they graduate from a welding program. Um, you have an option of getting a certificate in a year or maybe two. And when you have that certification, you're going to work with a skill set that is in high demand where you're making a lot more money or you can go four years. You can get unless you're going to a specialized degree, if you're going to get a business degree or I mean, just a basic degree, a B.A. in something, people are finding out that there isn't a big return on investment and they're looking for other options. 
And so we are we are seeing the sea teds, which I talk about so much. West pa- West Mech in the West Valley, and then um, um, you have Evit over in the East Valley, where you've got high school students that are looking at their future and saying, "I'm probably not going to go to college. Either I don't have the money, or I don't have the drive to go sit in a classroom for another four years." So they spend their time. At a CTED, which is a Career Technical Education District. That's what CTED stands for. And they are finding out that they are going into a field that they enjoy. They are becoming, in many cases, better students because now the practical application of what they're learning in the classroom to what they're going to do for a trade. You have to be able to read to learn these skills. You have to be able to do math to do these jobs. That they are realizing that there is a practical application to their classroom work because they're doing that practical application in the coursework for the trades they're choosing. And they're better students. I, for the last two years, have been asked to speak at the promotion ceremony or completion ceremony, they call them. They're not graduations. They're completion ceremonies in the individual programs for EVIT. And when I spoke, when I've spoken at these uh, these ceremonies, they always start out. Um, somebody does. It's usually the uh, the superintendent will will stand up and and will ask the students, um, "How many of you are going on to college?" And about two thirds of these kids go on to college, but they're leaving with a skill set that usually can put them through college. People going through the cosmetology program are able to work their way through school. People that are going on these other programs are taking a skill set with them. Many of them go into the military. Now they're going into the military with a skill set that gets them rank and money as they go into the military. You know, if you go in as a as a private, an E1, and you have no skill set, they're going to train you for a job. If you've got a skill set as an electrician and you go into the military, as a military electrician, you get rank and you get it faster because you have a skill set on the way in. And finally, there are those of these kids that are going straight into the workforce. Either way, they are better prepared than their classmates in many cases. And then when you look at the four years down the road, when the classmates are getting their college degrees and entering the workforce at an entry level, this group has got four years experience and generally speaking, making really good money in a secure workforce field. Pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. And so I think that this story, it's about expense. It's about return on investment. And it's also about options. I thought it was fascinating, and it's something I think everyone should look at. I think if our if our schools, if our high schools were smart, they would have child, they would be talking to these children at an early age in an assessment of what they really want to do with their lives, and get them on a path to either higher education or trade schools or something that really prepares them that when they leave high school, they know exactly what direction in many cases they want to go and how to get there. I think that would be a valuable thing for them to know. Um, national story about police leaving the police force nationwide and how bad it's getting and a list of things that have been happening at the two of them going together about shootings of police officers, officer involved shootings and a reason why many cops are leaving the profession. We'll talk about that at length coming up. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app.
Hey, I appreciate you spending some time with me on the show. Um, just a couple of headlines leading down the road of this topic. Cracker Barrel is the latest Portland casualty uh, shuttering their stores. Cracker Barrel restaurants are leaving Portland because of the crime wave in Portland, Oregon. George Gascon, who was at one time the police chief in Mesa, Arizona, went to San Francisco where he was a district attorney and he is now the L.A. County district attorney. Uh, George Gascon is ripped after cop killing by repeat offender suspect. People saying he just doesn't listen. This is about, again, the crime and punishment arm of things. Houston murder suspect was out on felony bond when he shot a Texas man during an argument. Uh, Arcadia, California, SWAT standoff underway. Suspect barricaded after after police officer was shot and two others injured. Indiana police officer fighting for her life after a traffic stop shooting. Suspect hospitalized. Um, Police exodus crisis. Officers are ditching their job at a rate never seen before. Um, So why is this happening? And I want to read something, and it's not very long, but I just – I happened to just happen to see this before we came back from the news. And this is from a website um, called Policemen. Um, And it's pretty – I just thought it was overwhelming, and it's a description that's written by a cop. It says, I've pulled dead, mangled bodies from cars. I've lied to people as they were dying. I said, you're going to be fine. I held their hand, watched their life fade out. I've held dying babies. I've bought lunch for people who are mentally ill and haven't eaten in a while. I've had people try to stab me, fought with me. Fought with men trying to shoot me. I've been attacked by women while I arrested their husbands who had just severely beaten them. I've held towels on bullet wounds, done CPR when I knew it would, wouldn't help um, just to make the family members feel better. I've torn down doors, fought in drug houses, chased fugitives through woods. I've been in high-speed car chases, foot chases across the interstates. I've been in crashes, been squeezing the trigger about to kill a man when they came to their senses and stopped. Waited through large, angry crowds by myself. Drove like a madman to help a fellow officer. Let little kids do what, uh, who don't have much sit in my patrol car and pretend to be a cop on their birthday. I've been ta- uh, taking. I've taken a lot of people to jail, given many breaks, prayed for people I don't even know. Yes, at times I've been violent when I had to be. I have been kind when I could. I admit I've driven to some dark places and cried by myself when I was overwhelmed. I've missed Christmas and other holidays more than I want to. Every cop I know has done all of these things and more for lousy pay, exhausting hours, and short life expectancy. We don't want your pity. I don't even ask for your respect. Just let us do our jobs without killing us. Thank you, police officers of America. I just thought that was a great summation of police work. Um, This gets very personal for me coming from a law enforcement family. Um, My brother is – has always been my hero and he's the youngest brother. I'm the oldest and he has always been the good guy. His wife has always been the good girl. They went to high school together. Um, They went to college at separate colleges. Uh, They got married after college when they both were cops. My brother is a captain with the sheriff's office. His wife is a deputy sheriff still. They're still sworn officers. They do a very dangerous job. They've got three kids, and they're pillars in the community. And I know that they've gone through everything on this list that I just read. 
It is a dangerous job, and it is one where you face the dregs of humanity on a daily basis. It is a job where you face what the worst things human beings can do to other humans. There's a story that's in our news this morning about a young about a child that was preyed upon by a sexual predator in Chandler yesterday. Guy in a black golf cart molested this kid. And there are cops that have to do that investigation and they have to ask hard questions and they have to watch a young person have their innocence taken from them. They have to watch parents that are probably so angry they can't – they're beside themselves at the anger they feel toward the person that would do this to a child. And they do this every single day with dwindling numbers and with um, a, a community that looks at them even with more scrutiny than they ever have before. And I believe that the final statement in this whole thing that I just read that says we're not even asking for your respect. Just let us do our jobs without killing us. I read headlines from across the country. Violence against police officers is at a huge is a huge increase from where it's been in the past. And when you factor in not just the violence against cops and how dangerous the job has gotten. But now you've got people that want to take away their immunity from uh, from being sued. So now you've got a police officer that has a family or has people around them that they have to decide how long do I want to do this job? Because if I do something and make a mistake, I could lose everything, not just for me. I might go to prison, but my family, my wife or my husband and my children will lose everything. And that's why they're leaving the profession. And when I read these headlines, when you read stuff like the governor of, of New York, and this to me is the kind of stuff that makes me scratch my head and wonder what direction we're going as a society. The governor of New York uh, signed a piece of legislation. Uh, it was in the Albany legislature that replaced the word inmate with incarcerated person. Here's the rationale. For too long, we as a society have thought of incarcerated individuals as less than people. The use of the word inmate further dehumanizes and demoralizes them. This was Gustavo Rivero, a Democrat from the Bronx, said in a bill that was sponsored by another Democrat. Um, but the governor's latest effort to make the state more politically correct um, has her critics arguing she's got some seriously misplaced priorities. You've got cops being murdered in the street in alarming numbers, and the concern is calling inmates inmates. I, am, I don't believe in insulting behavior. I don't believe in dehumanizing anyone. But where is the focus on the men and women who are out there facing the criminals every day so we don't have to? It is something else. Um, in a moment, there is a story out of the Phoenix VA that disturbed me to the point of anger um, in a community living center in the VA nursing home at 7th Street and Indian School. In a moment, I'm going to give you details of what's happening at that nursing home, and hopefully it's something that has been corrected. We'll get to that coming up in just a moment. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. 
Hey, thanks for being here. We'd love for you to help us make a difference in the community. We are setting up community service projects all over the valley. We'll be doing it all year long. We can't wait to do the next one. It's called Broomheads Action Alliance. And you can join us just by texting the word ACTION to 411923. You'll just be on a list. We'll notify you when projects come up, and you can sign up to do the ones that are convenient for you. It's Broomheads Action Alliance. Text ACTION to 411923 to be a part of it. Um. The story of the VA goes back, and I want to be very careful because I know a lot of people that work over at the VA that are very good people, very good at what they do, and love their jobs and love veterans very, very much. So I don't want to lump a lot of people in. The bureaucracy and the red tape, um, that has always been a problem at the VA. Getting in to get care, being overworked as a staff has always been an issue. And I have been hearing for veterans for years, back in the old days before the problem had been addressed, I wouldn't say all the way fixed but addressed about the enormous wait times for veterans. But there is also a nursing home for veterans um, at 7th Street and uh, an Indian school and the facility there. And it's kind of on the north side, or at least it used to be on the north side of the property. And I've been there a couple of times and visited the vets that are living there. And it's uh, it's truly an honor to go back and, and meet um these veterans that have served their country so honorably um, at, at the end of their life as they spend their days in this in this home. Um, this is such a hard story to read. Uh, the Community Living Center, the Veterans Affair Nursing Home at Phoenix near 7th Street and Indian School was closed uh, due to rats being in the housing area. The VA staff said on Monday during a news conference, the medical director, Michael Welsh, said the date when the full inspection of the nursing home will be completed and when the residents can move back in is currently unknown. He said that a worker at the Veterans Affairs nursing home noticed a crack in the ceiling of of a staff office. This led to a deeper investigation that found rat activity on the first and second floors of the facility. Further investigation of the facility showed more rats on the second floor, which was not occupied by residents. There's been no interactions between rodents, staff, and veterans at all, which is good news. Um, So we immediately started planning to get the residents out of that environment to a safer environment. Um, This is uh, just a reminder. I guess it could happen almost anywhere. I don't know. I'm not trying to throw people under the bus, but... We as Americans, I think all of us across the political spectrum, we have this vision in our mind because most of us – and that's one of the things why it is so easy to be pro-veteran is that it hasn't always been – that we all respect the service of the men and women that that join. You know, we we become a little bit more politically savvy where we realize that these men and women don't usually give the orders. They they follow the orders and they go where they're told and they do what they're told and they do it honorably and they do a very dangerous job in the interest of safety and freedom. And then we imagine that because they stood up and they raised their right hand and they swore an oath to defend this country against all enemies, foreign or domestic, um, that we will honor the promises that we have promised to them with care through the VA when they need medical care. Um, we were all shocked. I think many of us were shocked to find out that what was happening at the VA a few years ago uh, was happening, that the bureaucrats were lying about paperwork and care for veterans in order to meet uh, standards and goals of admissions and time frames and wait times. And many of them were getting bonuses based on false paperwork. It was a despicable time. Um, And the stories across the country, not just in Phoenix, of veterans that were so um, 
in in such pain, such chronic pain, that some of them in protest of how they were being treated were actually going and committing suicide in the parking lots of VA clinics to send a message. Um, it was just a horrible time. And we were involved deeply in 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 that investigation and fighting that and giving public you know putting a, a spotlight on it. And thankfully, there's a lot of people that came in and uh, changes have been made. I'm not calling any of it perfect, but if you th- it, we all just think that the veterans are going to be so cared for because they're so revered and respected. I don't know if this was oversight. I don't know if this was neglect. I don't know what this is, but I do know it's unacceptable. And and hearing the medical director take it as seriously as it was, it sounds like the VA is saying it's unacceptable. But, you know, these are people that have spent their lives, they've dedicated their lives to service to their country. And now as they get to the end of their life, they shouldn't be in a situation with with rodents, with rats. It, It broke my heart to read that, you know. And you would think that they should live out their days in comfort and safety, security, and we all want that for them. I think that that's something that would be an easy thing for all of us to say. And then it makes you wonder about, and it's not, I'm not going after anybody specifically here in Phoenix, but as a, as a, as a rule, with the billions of dollars that is in the Veterans Administration, that is spent in the Veterans Administration, how does it get to a point of infestation? Who is not paying attention? And hopefully this is something that's going to be rectified very quickly. I just wanted to bring it to your attention and with something we are going to stay on top of because I think we all deserve to know that the veterans in our community are being cared for. Just after 10 o'clock, we shift back to the Mar-Lago story and now an added story to that in Cincinnati, Ohio. Someone tries to break in and has a shootout with the FBI. It's all coming up next.